Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me tell you that a double game with a game with 21 is not impossible. The Fantasy Football Show. Hello everybody, my name's James and for the benefit of those listening to the audio, you're listening to Ask James, my regular YouTube live stream where I welcome questions from the YouTube community on anything football related to timestamp this it's just gone 3pm on Friday, January the 5th and we are circa just under five hours away from me being at White Hart Lane for kickoff for Tottenham against Burnley in the FA Cup third round tonight, which I'm sure you're all going to be thrilled to tune into live on ITV1 tonight for those in the UK. I suspect it'll be better than last night's drivel at Selhurst Park. Anyway, uh, for those joining live on the chat, thanks very much. Nice to see many of you in with your questions. Get them submitted in. This stream will go up to an hour or whenever I've gone through all the questions, basically. It won't go longer than an hour. I should clarify that. Now, I've got nothing specific I want to cover at the start of this, so I'm happy to get straight into the cues. Uh, JP says, hi, mate. Do you think Doughty from Luton would be good for Sky Fantasy Football as a differential? He'll be under consideration for me, as will um, Robert Kaminsky as well as a goalkeeper. I think those would be the two Luton players I'd probably be considering. I, I don't foresee me looking at, at anything else from Luton. I'm unlikely to get involved with Burnley either. So I mean, I would be Doughty, Kaminsky, or probably a skip for me. I'll be honest, I've not given it too much for wanting to reflect very much on the fixtures as covered on Wednesday Sky Fantasy Football Podcast, but we'll do a, a lot of digging into the players and personnel for next Wednesday's Sky Fantasy Pod. Uh, Atul Balaji says, Hi James, which clubs do you think will be in the relegation battle come the last few games of the season? Um, look, the, the three promoted clubs, I think that goes without saying, although one or two of them might already be gone by the time we get into the final few. Look, I think Forest, Brentford, Palace, Everton are the only other four that you can see being involved. I've covered it several times over that I'm absolutely certain Everton will be fine. To be honest, I don't particularly foresee Palace, Brentford or Nottingham Forest going down either. But I think many of us have a, a little inkling that Luton uh, are capable of causing a, a little bit of trouble. They've got a few home games coming up where... They'll fancy they can do themselves justice between now and, and the March international break. Just looking again at those home games. Brighton, Sheffield United, Manchester United, Aston Villa, Knight in the Forest. Going to be an important few home games for them over the next couple of months. And should they do well in them, they're very much going to give themselves a chance. I've said many times I I quite like what Vincent Company's trying to do at, at Burnley. I don't know if they've 
probably maybe given themselves a little bit too much to do and unfortunately it just seemed a little bit too open in the in the majority of games. But uh, ask me again next week once I've seen them play again tonight and seen them play live on, on a big stage at Wild Lane. But yeah, it's difficult to foresee that it won't be those three clubs that go down. I think in the case of Bournemouth, Fulham, Wolves, all going to be absolutely fine, I think, going forward. So yeah, the usual suspects out of I don't think there's going to be anything surprising in there, to be honest. Sam Brennan says, hey, mate, hope all's well. No questions today, just busy planning for Sky Overhaul. I know what your game is, Sam. Your analytical game, you're well in contention, I'm sure. Owen Wilson says, is there any future for Spence at Spurs? That's interesting, just been reading about him. Feels mad he was the best right back in the championship for a season. Now can't get a game anywhere. Have you seen anything that makes you think he could be Prem level? I'm just going to find this quote. I was literally just reading yeah, from Daniel Farker, the Leeds manager. So Jed Spence, for those who don't know, was on loan at Leeds and it's just been sent back. Daniel Farker said, this quote's been out in the last hour or so. It says, obviously, it's important, the potential and quality of the player, but also professionalism, discipline, workload on and off the pitch, and also the soft skills. If he's positive and committed, good for the group and engaged with these topics. So... He's been sent back because of that. I mean, that pretty much clears it up, doesn't it? I know um, Tottenham ITKs have been saying that Tottenham were surprised that he's been sent back. The suggestion over the last couple of hours is that Tottenham are going to make him available for transfer. I don't think that should particularly shock. There is, unfortunately, I think, um, potentially a bit of an attitude problem there, unfortunately. You've got to ask yourself this as well. He came to Tottenham from Nottingham Forest. There was a number of clubs who were, um, sorry, from Middlesbrough, but having had the loan spell at Nottingham Forest. Forest obviously would have been interested in buying him themselves. Going back, this is obviously the summer of 2022. Tottenham got him. He barely featured under Antonio Conte. kept saying he was a club signing. Despite the fact him actually being profile player that you would have thought would have worked in Antonio's Conte system rather than a, a back four team because it's a wing back rather than a, a full back as far as I've seen. Um, he went on loan to France and yet this summer, what, no Premier League club wanted him. We spoke a lot in July and August before the season started of saying, look, keep an eye on him because he was 4.0 in FPL. Could he do a job at, say, Crystal Palace, for example? And would he be of interest to people if he moved? No Premier League club picked him up. What does it tell you? When I saw him um, a couple of times briefly in substitute appearances for Tottenham, I felt he looked well short bar one League Cup appearance at Nottingham Forest, where he was quite lively when he came on. And in pre-season, it was absolutely obvious that he was not going to work in any system of Angie's because there was just not enough effort off the ball. Simple as that. So, um, it's not to say he can't work out at the top level. He's certainly not going to work out at Tottenham. And I think considering this, he's gone to a championship club who's doing very well at the moment in Leeds and they've sent him back. Didn't want to keep him. So, where he goes now... I've no idea, but I, I imagine Tottenham would be quite prepared to cut their losses on him, I, sh I should imagine. Uh, and also says, also Dyer to Bayern. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Would he do well there? And would Spurs fans remember him fondly? I thought he was crap for ages, but had a great season cut the years back, to be fair. Clearly doesn't suit Anstab. Yeah, people have very, very short memories. Um, I voted Eric Dyer as our player of the year in 21-22 when we finished fourth. 
he was consistent throughout that whole season. I know Sonny had a, an incredible run at the end. And I voted for Eric Dyer because I, I knew Son would win it anyway. He didn't need my vote and Son deserved to win it that year. Uh, but I thought Eric Dyer was worthy of the vote. Um, he deserved it. He had a very good, consistent season for Tottenham at the heart of the back frame. Uh, people forget that he went through really, really bad spells, sort of 2018, 19 onwards, with um, bad illness to go with injuries. But he had an illness that was quite destabilizing for about three months or so. Um, I think that really hampered his match sharpness and it took him a long time to get it back. So, yeah, people have short memories. Is he good enough and can he play in this Tottenham system again? Another one doesn't really work at the moment. So he'll be allowed to move on. Would he work at Bayern's system? Is he good enough for Bayern Munich? My opinion of that would be no. But it sounds like Harry Kane's having words and potentially wants him to go down. Um, can't see how he'd get in Bayern's team regularly. But um, I, I said a few times recently that I thought distribution-wise he would have been beneficial to Tottenham. But just the fact that he's not quick enough at the back means he can't play there for us. So, yeah, I will remember Eric Dyer with fondness, actually. Um, fantastic in his first sort of 18 months or so when he came in originally, um, actually that bit longer than that, actually, kind of originally covering it right back, then cement the place in holding midfield in the 15-16 season, then very good transition in between a holding midfield role and a right-sided centre-back role in the following season. Yeah, I remember Eric Dyer with uh, a lot of fondness. I suspect most Tottenham fans won't. I think that's a bit of a shame, actually, because uh, he's certainly a player you could always look at and say committed and given his best without any doubt at all. Not progressed to the level that most of us would have wanted or hoped. You reflected him breaking into the England team back in sort of 15, 16. Kind of hope with England centre-back issues that he'd be a, a regular in that team at centre-back and he'd, he'd be nowhere near it now, unfortunately. But yeah, I remember Eric with with fondness, got a lot of love for him. David Beaton says, with the option of choosing three from McGregor, McGinn, McTominay, Christie, Gilmore and Lewis Ferguson, the Bologna captain, where will Scotland's midfield rank in Euros? Doesn't for our size, I'd say. Uh, sorry, decent for our size, I'd say. I can't say I've seen uh, Lewis Ferguson, so uh, sorry, I can't really put him in a, a correct category, David. So I don't know how good or, or bad he is. And in terms of the others, I mean, I suppose McTominay is going to be important for Scotland, isn't he? He's obviously got a very good goal scoring record for them. Um, so I presume he'd be part of that. Ryan Christie's done very well for Bournemouth. I don't know if that quite works in for Scotland. I think Billy Gilmore on the international stage should shoot, uh, should suit. John McGinn's certainly going to be a part of that. McGregor is not a player I'm hugely familiar with, have seen bits of. So, I mean, I would have thought probably at the moment, and you'll correct me on this, no doubt about it, but uh, McGinn, Gilmore, McTominay, I would have thought if that's going to be a, a free in there, in that system. So, I mean, do you still play with wingbacks, David? I must profess I've, I've not watched Scotland play for a serious amount of time, so I almost feel a bit stupid comment on this. But that would be my best stab, mate. Atul Balaji says, thoughts on the Dominic Calvert-Lewin red card? Uh, here we go, back to the uh, forensic analysis of uh, football via VAR. So, look, by law, um, the challenge uh, was was dangerous, I think it's fair to say. Would I have called it uh, reckless or out of control or overly aggressive? No, none of them things. Um, but dangerous, yes, because obviously it's just the way that his foot points. 
Um, but let's also remember that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is sliding for a ball here and Nathaniel Klein is also moving towards him at uh, an opposite angle. Um, I must say, when I saw it last night, I my instinct was, fuck off. <laughs> like, it's not a red card for me. I can understand by law why they've made that decision. Um but uh, do any of us? Uh, this this is where this is where, unfortunately, our opinions will be different to referees because I I do get it by law why he's been been sent off because of the dangerous nature of the position of his foot and the straight leg action. He's absolutely no intention to go near the player. I'm not even sure if he makes any anything in terms of contact that's more than kind of a glancing graze of Nathaniel Klein. Again, no blame on Klein. He's got to go down to make the most of the situation. I think if Klein just carries on running at the moment, that moment, I don't think they even look at it. So, you know, not that I want to congratulate the player, but he's done the job there for his team. No, it's not a red card for me, mate. Um, I, I just can't be having that personally. So, no. no I, I'm tired of talking about it, mate. But it gave someone, uh, everyone something to talk on from that shit last night, right? Benedict Troyes, his thoughts on starting... With a Luton player in overhaul, this will obviously be a Sky question as well, uh, could chain to Eze, then hang Huang for the captaincies after the Sheffield United game. Who would you choose to go with? As already said, Troy, I, I kind of covered it. It's probably only really Kaminsky and uh, Doughty that are in consideration for me. Yes, I'm certainly aware of that Crystal Palace Wolves chain, as mentioned later on, I referenced it on Wednesday, the idea of sort of Elise to Huang. Elise is probably off the table now, maybe, unfortunately. It's got injured. Does it was about 70,000 people already bought him in FPL. Or, sorry, not people, teams. Um, So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be having a look at this sort of thing. Obviously, if it's to be Doughty, I need to set up in at least, obviously, a back four, for example. But yeah, it's only Doughty really from the outfield players to consider. I'm not sure he's as good a Sky asset as he is FPL. Uh, Colin Bugler says, and shopping, but I have no idea whatsoever that's in reference to. Uh, Karim Kimo says, the biggest club in the history of football, in your opinion, uh, is Real Madrid, mate. Yeah, I think so. Um, Most European Cup wins by distance or Champions Leagues, as we call them these days. So yeah, Real Madrid by a distance for me, mate. Uh, Patrick Flanagan says, hi, James, if you had two free transfers and Salah, Sun and Kudos, what route would you go? I have 2.7 million in the bank. Uh, certainly at least selling two. So perhaps if I reference my own thinking at the moment might help here. So I have Salah and Sun um, and I have two frays. Cole Palmer is a is a definite for me as long as he makes it through the, the Preston and Middlesbrough games unscathed. So be Salah to Palmer is, is definitely one move on the agenda for me. But even though I know that, I certainly won't be doing it till at least after Tuesday's gone and probably not till after Liverpool Fulham has gone Wednesday night either. So Salah to Palmer then allows me quite comfortably. Alvarez to Haaland should I want to do so. And then Sun is an obvious downgrade. I think the best choice is Bowen. I already own. I think because of the, the next two fixtures right in front of my face, I'd probably be keen to go to Bukayo Saka if I didn't already own, but I know most of you already have him. I don't mind Martin Odegaard as another to go with that. And I think because of Arsenal's recent results, not many will. And I think that could be an interesting differential. Um, for myself personally, 
the two players most under consideration. There might be a third, but the two players most under consideration are Richarlison and Phil Foden. The might be the third is Jota, who let's see what we see from Liverpool over the next week or so. And it might be next Thursday. I think, yeah, do you know what? I can see Liverpool looting getting brought forward to game with 25. I want to punt that. But it also needs an awareness of being able to get back to Mo Salah as well, right? So it's not unthinkable that I might just go for something like Garnacho or even right down to James McAtee of Sheffield United. Um, so no decision made yet. Not going to overly think it because I've got well, basically six days at least before I need to make that decision. There's a lot of information to learn over the next week in terms of you know, Liverpool's lineup, the cup results, the potential impact on blanks, doubles. I can't give you a definitive answer. Um, in terms of your own there, Pat, uh, Patrick, with obviously Mohamed Kudos as well, I don't, I don't think that particularly changes the situation in terms of players that would be under consideration. Uh, that wouldn't alter things for me. I certainly am prepared to take a minus form. I think if I deem Haaland as liable to start against Newcastle and if I want to captain him, then it's certainly justifiable to do that. But then effective for me, it might be minus four to replace Sun. So it might be that Sonny might hang on for an extra week for me, possibly. Just to firm up that if, particularly if I decide it's going to be Richarlison or Foden, if I'm unsure for whatever reason, with Tottenham going to Manchester United and, and Foden going to Newcastle, that extra bit of information then in terms of going into game with 22 on, again, cup games, rotational minutes, the FA Cup fourth round results, the fifth round draw, all these things will, will actually help me a little bit. So it might even be that I might even carry Sonny one more, not with any intention to hold him, but just to potentially help me with the right decision between, say, as I said, particularly sort of Foden and Richarlison. So there's a few ideas for you there, Patrick. I can't tell you definitively what I'm going to do because I haven't made my decision. Uh, Karim Kimo says, the most points you enjoyed for you enjoyed from a player in FPL ever. Um, I'm just trying to think, uh, are we including triple captaincy in this? Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure. Would it be Rashford last season? Triple captaincy for 60? Um, no, year before, wasn't it Salah, I think? And you get 26. So was it 70? No, it was more than that, wasn't it even? Was it, was it 28 he got times three? Um, was it 24? I've got 72 in my head, maybe, or or 84. I can't remember what he got now. It was in so double game with 26, 21, 22. Triple captain, Mo Salah. Um, so it's that, I think. Without triple captaincy and just a regular captaincy, I think it's Aguero's five goals against Newcastle, um, which was before me and Serge were doing the content. Uh, but I certainly remember me and me and the wife had both captained him that afternoon. I remember we were sitting, it felt like he scored every two minutes. So it would be that. Um, without captaincy, can't recall. Can't recall. few players in the 20s. Uh, Sheriff Gaber says, Hi, mate. Please rank Salah, Sun replacements, Bowen, Jota, Richie, Foden. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you've got the right players in in mind. I think what I would say, just to add on, I'm not going to cover it all again as as per Patrick's question. I've, I've basically answered it, Sheriff. But um, 
certainly Bowen, if I didn't own, would would be the top one for me from that. I think Bowen, Palmer, Saka would be three that I, they'd be the top three for me. And and many of you will be listening or, or watching already got that through. But if you didn't, then that's straightforward for me. The other three are basically the three under consideration for me, as as said, mate, and no decision made as yet. And I wouldn't rush making one either. Dan says, I'm thinking of a bench boost very soon. Without Salah and Son, I figured my bench can be worth around five to six million more than usual for a double game week bench boost. What's your thoughts? Well, there's a, probably a pretty big problem with that, Dan. Uh, um, it's not to say that this can't happen in terms of a double game week before they return, but there's every chance that Salah will be back before there are any double game weeks. Um so look, I, I do think there could be a couple of fixtures in game week 25. The current projection as it stands, based on bookmakers' odds for AFCON, would be, I think, Salah back in 24. Now, I also think, um, it's not to say that's the earliest he can return, he can return earlier, but he's unlikely to return any earlier than that. So look, if Salah's back for 24, you can have a double game week before then, but it's less likely. So I think the, the theory of using it because they're away and doubles coming up, that's Probably not going to work from that perspective, Dan. Epil uh, Crutter says, Hi, James. Hope you're well. Wanted to get your take on who you think Liverpool will line up with on the right wing position with Salah away. I see Jota, Elliot and uh, Shaboshlai as the main contenders. Yeah, we discussed this on um, Clash to Correspondence yesterday, which I very much recommend a, a listen, previewing the Bournemouth-Liverpool game with Neil Grover and Dan Lord. Um, if you get the opportunity or haven't done so yet, well, obviously, we do cover that. What's the idea? You know, Diaz could go out there. Nunes, Gakpo, Jota, obviously, Shaboslai, Elliot could all play out there. Probably even Curtis Jones in an emergency. I mean, at Tottenham in emergencies, you'd probably even push Trent there. But I don't think Liverpool would have the, the capability of what they've got available defensively to consider that sort of thing. And I don't think you'd want to do that with Trent anyway. Um, Dan was quite high on the the potential of Elliot, and I think that was he spoke more from a personal opinion rather than uh, I think that will happen. But he was quite keen on the idea of Elliot playing that position, and having reflected on our on our recording since then, I wondered if that allowed maybe two central forwards in the sense you play Elliot right, and um, because he wants to drift inside and get involved in the midfield, could you get away with Diaz high and wide on the left and say? Gakpo behind Nunes as an example and John, then just play a two be it say McAllister and Shabos or or any other different combination Curtis Jones more than capable of playing in a double pivot for example um, and it might be that it's not just who covers on the right we might even get a little bit of a system change possibly from Liverpool as well so I th- Jota feels like the more obvious and natural one I think to play there but as covered on that pod as well None of Liverpool's remaining attacking four, and we defined it as forwards, which I wouldn't describe Elliot as one. The right-hand side is not the best position for any of that four. So it is certainly plugging a hole for a little bit. It is probably going to be you know, roughly three Premier League games or so. And I think we'll get a little bit of a mix there. Like, for example, in terms of defining and answering your question, do I think Jota plays three Premier League games on the right-side forward position? Now, I wouldn't be surprised if it's three different players in the three Premier League games who play it. Uh, Sheriff says, thanks for the continuous amazing content. Love being a member on Patreon. Like the stream, guys. Thank you very much, my friend. If you want to support the show, it's www.patreon.com 
forward slash planet fpl um and obviously yeah if you're watching live smash a like if you're listening back to the audio five star review goes much further than you can imagine guys uh greg frost says michael he's a good signing for a top six club and which one needs him most well he's injured at the moment um there has been some murmurings of a 60 million release clause we know obviously chelsea were very interested in him in the summer but um, Madueki's recent performances and obviously the emergence of Cole Palmer as a star player. Um, although admittedly, they probably want to play more inside now. Means it's probably not an urgency. You know, you can't play Sterling on that side. There's other um, alternatives that Chelsea can use out there. So uh, I know Manchester United's name has been mentioned a little bit over the last week or so. I, I, I think it'd be great at Tottenham. I'd say my only concern over him um, is just two things. I spoke about on when did we do the game review pod Monday, Tuesday, whenever it was Tuesday. Um, I spoke about his goal against Brentford being his first goal, an unusual Michael Elise goal um, in, in the sense that he arrives at the back post. It's something I've been critical of Kulisevsky for. And I think, you know, I look at them two players and I can see comparisons. Elise is far quicker and perhaps more direct than Kulizewski, but, you know, the two of them compete in that position, I could say. My one con- concern of him is off the ball um, in terms of his defensive work, which, to be honest, the way Palace line up, there's less reliability on him to have to get back with urgency because they're often structured that they're already behind the ball. Um, my other concern for him is, and this might be harsh, is his personality. It's just the way he's come across in interviews, right? Um, and I'm thinking about this from a Tottenham perspective in terms of how we would fit in with this energetic squad. Does his personality fit in there if he's going to be this kind of casual, laid-back, quiet maverick? And it's not a criticism of him as a human being in, in any way. I don't know him. It's just it's just the way he's come off, right? And that's just a, a little bit concerning. That's all. Is he good enough in terms of his technical quality to play for a big six team? To be honest with you, he's good enough to play for any of them. Uh, that's not to say he'd go to Manchester City and start every single game, but could he? Would he look out of place playing in Manchester City's team? No, I don't think so. I think we can see Morris comparisons in in the way he plays. Could he stand in for Salah? I mean, we talk about Liverpool's right wing issues in the short term. What if Michael Elise was on the books there? Would he would he be playing in that position forthcoming games? Yeah, I suspect so. So Michael Elise is good enough to play for any of these teams. I just have some question marks about off the ball defensively and in fitting in. He's basically, him and Eze are obviously main men uh, at Palace. How are you going to fit in if you're not the main man, you're perhaps part of squad rotation and your personality comes off? He just comes off as cold. We've all seen, not all of us, but the majority of us would have seen some of his interviews, right? And that comes off cold. And it might be something that potentially stands in his way of being integrated into certain groups of clubs. That's all. In terms of his technical qualities, love him. What a talent. Phenomenal. Uh, Natasha Balaj says, good evening, James. Have a good game tonight. Thank you. Uh, Average has says, afternoon, bro. Hello, Chris Woodstock says, happy new year. And to you too. And to all our listeners and viewers. Uh, Arabia Felix says, do we need to rush back to Holland or, Al- or Alvarez is fine for the Newcastle game? This is nearly impossible to answer till Sunday's been and gone. So look, if Haaland's even on the bench against Huddersfield on Sunday, I think that's probably enough for me to go, yeah, bye. 
is he an absolute you know must necessity you guys will know me right I don't believe in the word essential um, but would I want him for game with 22 yeah sure and I think I, I only need to know that he's going to be involved to want to go down because I don't have enough confidence in the other captaincy options in 22 so just getting him in early the other thing to factor in is at the moment in terms of whether he's worth getting in quickly is it feels fairly obvious at this stage that certainly anyone who doesn't get him before 21 will get him for 22. That feels almost certain when they're at home to Burnley. And I don't want to rush that move. And we've seen it already this week. No matter how much people can preach and say, please don't use early transfers. A lot of people just can't wait for one reason or another. And it'll be the same before game at 22. You'll be like, calm down. Why are people buying him? They will buy him straight away. Imagine he plays at Newcastle. That's on the first day of game week 21. The game week won't finish for another nine days. And then from there on in is then over another week before game week 22 starts. You've got two weeks of people buying Holland, And I do wonder if it might just be get uh, worth getting him in from a value perspective as well, even if I think he's going to play. That's my instinct at the moment to cover. In terms of, like, do we need him or not? Well, let's see if he's going to be available or not. Um, Alvarez is going to be impacted not just by Haaland but also Kevin De Bruyne as well so Alvarez I think it's a move on job but I'm also aware that that 25 double we keep speaking about could well happen and you know if Alvarez could even sort of contribute towards 90 minutes would he be worth keeping over maybe Solanke over that period it's a maybe but I think yeah the idea in my mind right now would be yeah Alvarez to Haaland Average has says, who do I play at a Taylor uh, home to Luton or Gordon at home to Manchester City? Uh, I'd probably go Anthony Gordon, to be honest. Um, you've seen him obviously return an attacking return at Liverpool. Um, and he scored in the home fixture against Liverpool earlier in the season. His home record's pretty good this season. So probably Anthony Gordon. You know, how much faith have you got in the Burnley clean sheet against Luton? I wouldn't have a huge amount. Personally, I mean, it's absolutely fine for the week if you need to play it, but I'd probably still go with Gordon would be my instinct there. Uh, Hani Adbel Razek says, should we plan ahead bringing a 6 million midfielder out of Salah and some replacements to enable a route back to Salah in game with 25-27, Bowen slash Douglas Louise instead of ex Bowen Jota? Yeah, look, I mentioned this in terms of reference of, say, Garnacho. So, um, yeah, Douglas Louise is perfectly fine if that's the sort of player you want. It's going to come down to personal structure, right, and your own plans and strategies. It's also about figuring out who who do you want to sacrifice, right? So one option for me would be Saka, back to Salah, not madly in love with that. That probably also means downgrading one of Porro or Dominic Solanke when the time's right as well. So that part needs figuring out. And then from there, you'll find your answer in terms of how much. But yeah, I had a look for our advanced tier patrons on a piece I did yesterday, looking at the idea of wildcarding now. Not that I recommend that, but what would you go with? And I looked at one option that meant spending all the money. And that midfield was uh, Bowen, Saka, Palmer, Foden and Jota. And when you set it up, it just looked really difficult to get back to Salah. Bearing in mind, if, say, Liverpool were to double themselves in 25, which is quite probable, really, if they make the Carabao Cup final, and especially if they beat Liverpool, uh, sorry, beat Arsenal on Sunday as well in the FA Cup, then certainly Jota wouldn't be your sacrifice, would it? 
So then what is it, Saka and Foden? That might not even be enough, right? It might not might need to be a, another player as well. And obviously if Liverpool double, if you're thinking, well, I'll sacrifice Trent, you ain't taking Trent out under that circumstance either. So I think for all of us, we just need to figure out what that what that route and that path is. Bets1604 says, uh, a lot has been said about the obvious Salah sum replacements along with bringing Haaland back. However, we've only one free transfer going into the next game week. Who would you prioritise bringing in first? Again, it's to be repetitive on this. It, it's the names I've already mentioned, right? Po- Bowen, Palmer, Saka, for me, the top three. And then it's take your pick from the others. And I would prefer to have a bit more information on that. Um, in your case, by the sounds of it, look, if, if Holland looks like it's going to start at Newcastle, then it's sell Salah as your highest value ticket for me. Make sure you get Holland back and then work from there, mate. Heather says, hi, James, happy new year. Would you wait on Holland news close to deadline and bring him in for free or bring in a Man City mid now? Which one question? And Holland then for minus four if he's fit. Thanks. So in now, just to define that, Heather, like I wouldn't be doing anything for anyone at this stage uh, prior to the cup games. So I've already said a few times, nothing's going to get me doing anything till Thursday next week. Next Wednesday night, once Liverpool-Fulham's finished, if if Cole Palmer was due to go up in price next Wednesday night, then yeah, I'm probably going Wednesday night and, and making a move. But I'd certainly be waiting, Heather. I think there's lots to learn in terms of Manchester City, not just on Haaland, but also Kevin De Bruyne, if there's minutes to be had at the weekend as well. I think Foden is the one that interests me most. I certainly wouldn't be rushing to do that this right now. If that's my intended move this time next week, you'll know. I'll be honest about it and tell you. Tom Skinner says, afternoon, James. How many price drops on Salah and Son do you think is tolerable as we wait for more information on injuries and international performances? My opinion would be as many as necessary. That's my take, right? So uh, I... Salah, I've not had huge value in, right? So for me, it's not too much of a problem at the moment, admittedly, but Sun is a problem. Every little bit that Sun loses is a big problem because I'm up massive on him. But I've already even said that I might even not sell him till game week 22. Now, under that circumstance, I might lose a good chunk of profit. I could have sold him. So I bought a 9-1. He was 9-9 to start the week. So I could have booked in 9.5 profit. I mean, if I wait till game week 22... I might even be taking only sort of 9.2. I mean, that's possible because he might be down as low as sort of like 9.6, for example. Um, what would it be taking there? 9.3, 9.5, still be 9. Okay, maybe 9.3. But I certainly would have lost a bit. So now I'm prepared for that to be whatever it needs to be. The information right now, in my opinion, is so important. I did a piece this morning on our Patreon podcast Um saying that a double game week in game week 21 isn't even impossible. It's not. Let me tell you that a double game week at game week 21 is not impossible. It does need two teams who've got a game to rearrange and both be knocked out of the cup this weekend. So perhaps unlikely. Um, but it's not impossible. Because anything that got rearranged for FA Cup full round weekend would be double game week 21. So the hypothetical example I gave, and I don't think it would happen even if it did, but if Brentford lose tonight and then Manchester City lose on Sunday, what's stopping them rearranging City versus Brentford for the weekend of the FA Cup fourth round? The answer is nothing. It would be a quick decision. I'm sure we'd know ahead of deadline, but why couldn't it happen? It could happen. And then suddenly we're looking at double game for Man City now. Also, similar could happen with Bournemouth and Luton if they lose to Queen's Park Rangers and and, um, Bolton Wanderers respectively. 
Bournemouth Luton could go FA Cup fourth round weekend. Might completely change our thinking. Might from absolutely nowhere be going, all this midfield talk, we might be going, do you know what? Shit, I'm going Marcus Tavernier. Like it could be something like that. So it's just another reason to really hold off on the early transfers. It's also why it's difficult to be definitive about so many things in terms of 21 when we're sitting here. That's the next week. And although it's very unlikely, we're talking a couple of percent chance, it's not impossible. It's not impossible that we could even have a double in 21. Uh, who's next? Um, Tom Skinner, that's what we've done. Garav says, hi, James, happy new year. Did drunk transfer on New Year's Eve. Son and Salah out for De Bruyne and Palmer. Please share some insights on forwards going forward. And Kunku, Solanke, Watkins, Robot, Tony, Adebayo. Um, I've put another name into there, is Raul Jimenez. Fulham have got really nice fixtures, 22 to 24, um, after they go to Chelsea. And that might just cover you up nice for, for AFCON. Uh, their fixture run 25 to 29 is not terrible. They could have cost themselves blank in 26 should they beat Liverpool in the Carabao Cup semi-final. Added by own Nabler, fine. I think at his price, I'd arguably prefer Lyle Foster would be my take, even though there's no prospect of a double. Holland, I'm repeating myself. On Tony, I get the narrative about 21, but their fixtures 22 to 28, in my opinion, are horrendous. Wouldn't want to go near that. I think Dominic Solanke, I've said this a few times, doing absolutely brilliant, but he's potentially expendable. Bournemouth's own run up to blank game with 26 is pretty shit. Uh, Ollie Watkins, I would certainly want to hold on to at the moment. Really good run the next couple. Um, United away, Arsenal at home isn't fantastic, but with Arsenal being at home, I think that's still reasonable to carry through. Their 25 to 28 fixtures are absolutely great as well. Uh, even 29 away to West Ham. If it goes ahead, not terrible. I'm looking at the wrong team now, aren't I? Sorry. And Villa's fixtures ain't even as bad as I said. They've already played Arsenal at home, haven't they? Yeah, Watkins run all the way through to game week I mean, 30, basically, is very, very good. And a few of us have earmarked 31 for a potential wild card, right? So Watkins are definitely worrying about. And Kunku is um, it's kind of wild card option, isn't it? There's a few tough away games. If you look at Chelsea's away games, up till FA Cup quarterfinal weekend. Liverpool, Palace is okay. Manchester City, Brentford is okay. Arsenal in the blank of 29 is enough to be meh about it, I think. But I know the goal scoring capability. We want clarity on where he's going to play. The rest of the fixtures are okay. The home games are pretty good over that same period. So Nkunku is very much a watch and wait. Of course, with him as well, it's most probable that they're going to blank in 26. So would you want to go into Man City away 25 and then blank 26 when there's others might have doubles in 25 as well? Yeah, it's not great. So Nkunku is probably more of a watch and wait, but certainly on radar, no doubts. Just to add, posting stuff says, uh, Heard are heading to Bowen and Richarlison. Are they? Uh, as Sun Salah replacements, probably for good reason, but feels dull to go for both. Jota, Fode and KDB are much more exciting or one from each group. I, I can't answer it. I certainly has said that top three for me, Bowen, Palmer, Saka, but many of you may already have that three. Those who haven't got Bowen, I don't think it's much to think about from that perspective, personally. The others haven't made my decision yet. I would be very surprised, or what I would add to that is I'd be very surprised if my decision is to go to Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Grab Ranjan says, uh, is it okay to lose Watkins 
and Saka to accommodate Salah if double 25. Is it okay? Yeah, because look, if Salah doubles in 25 with Brentford away and Luton at home, uh, I suggested the mantra at the time will be by any means necessary, right? So is it okay? Yeah, sure. But the fixtures for both of those players in 25 itself and the three game, three or four game weeks afterwards is good. And that will need to be factored in, particularly if City double in 25 as well. And you go, well, I want a captain Holland. Now, me personally, I'd be thinking, cheese. even if I'm with a captain Holland, I'd probably want to limit the damage by salary. Even if his EO might end up being over 100, I'd want to limit the damage on that. Um, so, yeah, I think it will be by any means necessary. Saka, as I've said, is a potential full guy for me. Personally, I would not want to get rid of Ollie Watkins. Uh, Brandon Madrano says, thoughts on Havertz as an asset? Not under consideration for me, as it stands. Um, not a terrible punt either, though. Let, let me sell it to you like that. Uh, Andre Galea says, do you think the Spurs attack will still function to a high level despite Sonny leaving? What do we mean by function? Do we mean like return well? What you can't replace with, it's like Salah, right? You can't really replace Salah. You can replace him in terms of team structure and stuff, but you can't you can't expect any one individual to replicate his phenomenal goal scoring record. Similarly with Sonny, such an expert in terms of his finishing, um, no one can replicate that, right? In terms of the structure of the team, next to no difference. So should it still function to a high level? Yes, you could also say that perhaps over the last three games, particularly, it's not functioned over to a high level. And we've been fortuitous to beat Everton and Bournemouth, in my opinion. Um, but there's still been plenty of goals in that period. What have we scored in those those games? So uh, seven in those three games. So will it still function correctly? Yes. Can anyone replicate what he does in terms of finishing? No. But it doesn't mean that a Richarlison, if that's where this this question is leading to, yeah, he's absolutely under consideration for me. Uh, Atul says, is there any player who is almost universally praised that you don't rate? That's very much on the spot. I can only tell you that the player in my head is Juan Pablo Angel, <laughs> who was the player I had a massive problem with. And I can't even really tell you why. Um, but I, I, I used to think he was so madly overrated. And I know that's going to upset every Villa fan probably that I've just said that. I just didn't see anything in him in terms of quality at all. Um, and he used to tell the mates that in the pub all the time. And then he had a game against us in the 06, 07 season where in the space of 10 minutes, he managed to miss a penalty and score for us, uh, which was somewhat amusing. Yeah, he was a player that I most people I spoke to thought was a really good forward, and I just, I just couldn't have it. Couldn't have it at all. Uh, off the top of my head, no. No, I'm probably more likely at all to be probably more in, in favour of players that a lot of people think it's cool to dislike. Um, like, I still know there's a good player in Calvin Phillips. I spoke quite a lot recently about... Um, really rating Curtis Jones of Liverpool, for example. I think there's there's players who are cool to 
dislike because they're not as flashy on the eye and stuff. And I probably more value some of their qualities than maybe others do rather than the other way around. Probably matured a little bit at as well, where, you know, that outright dislike of a player for literally zero reason that I had with Angel. I probably wouldn't have that for such a player now because I kind of know I need to speak about it a bit more objectively. Uh, Adi Tour says, hi, James. How do you think uh, Ben Brereton-Diaz will do in the Premier League with Sheffield United? Look, I think that's a really good signing for Sheffield United. Um, does it improve them? Yes. Can we say that it will score goals to keep them up? No, we can't. Do we know that he's had a difficult time at Villarreal? Yes. Have I seen anything of him for Villarreal? No. So I would only be drawing conclusions from the bits that I'd seen of him at Blackburn and understand he's had a difficult spell. And Villarreal part want to let him go so that he can try and rediscover his goal-scoring form that he'd shown for Blackburn in the championship. Always difficult to predict, right? Look at Adam Armstrong at Southampton, right? Tore it up for Blackburn in the championship. Went to Southampton. And most of us, myself included, thought he would do really well. Really well. Didn't ever look Premier League level. Back in the championship, tearing it up again. So how we analyse someone making the step up and playing in a team that's not going to have the ball much and be underdogs in most games. In fact, nearly all games. Very difficult to evaluate, but it does feel like a, a shrewd signing for Sheffield United. Uh, always FPL says, what do you think of Arsenal signing a striker? What one would you sign? Do they need one? Come on, you Spurs tonight. No, they don't need one. Sodom. Uh, Tony's perfect for Arsenal. Um, and I think that will end up happening. Not this month, by the way. Not this month. I think it might have been, but I think Brentford's position in the league is precarious enough that now nah, they won't get bullied. They won't get bullied into selling unless... I don't see Arsenal going to 100 unless Chelsea seriously offered with them. Who knows? Chelsea slapped down a stupid amount of money. Yeah, sure, maybe. But I think they've kind of said, look, 100 million or forget it at the moment. And that's because the league position, whereas he might have been available. But yeah, my instinct would be Tony probably will end up at Arsenal uh, in the summer. And although I know Arsenal fans will probably think get it done now for whatever it costs. It will help the team win the league. It might not. And you could go for a, a kind of a, let's say an option B rather than Tony. If Tony's the preferred option, you should wait for it. That's more my point. Whereas you go for a secondary option, might be unproven in the league, um, or you pay a little bit less for, and you might just be repeating the same cycle. If it's identified that Tony would be the best choice for them, then they should wait. This is a really difficult month to get good footballers in, particularly proven ones. It's like regular question, I guess. Who do you want Tottenham to sign? And I can rattle off a list of names, but the best signings Tottenham can probably do this month is the players that people haven't heard of yet, in all honesty. Aaron Hill says, Hi, James, not an FPL question today, just something for my curiosity. How did you and Sudge meet and start up the channel? Thanks for your content. Look forward to it every week. So take uh, 107 of telling this story. Uh, I worked for Suji's packaging company and I won the work mini league. And he said to me, do you want to do a podcast on fancy football? And I said, okay. And then we did the podcast and he said, do you want to do another one next week? And I said, okay. And then we did the second one and he said, do you want to do another one? I said, okay. 
and then we spiraled and that's it and i'm sorry that's a really boring story but that's the truthful one uh hani abdul razik says jota or richarlison to replace son i'm gonna skip mate because i've covered and i don't know the answer myself so i can't really help but i've covered these guys already uh darren o'neill says uh hi mate in your opinion how far behind the leader would you say is too far to have a chance I'm currently 9K with 1,244 points, I'm assuming that's his. Uh, also, would it be silly to take a minus four for Holland if back? Sun and Salah are going. No, I mean, it's Holland. If you can take minus four, that's about as justifiable as it can be, to be honest. Subject to his fitness. Um, can you still finish first from there? Yeah, I'm sure. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know the difference between 9K and first, but I suspect, yeah, you probably can still finish from the first from there. You also, I'm what, 160k or so? Like, I could still catch you from there. I probably can't finish first, right? So, now you hear good stories. I caught bits of Black Box last night where, you know, where did Mark Southerns finish last year? Like, I don't know, 70, 80k or something? I forget. I might have that wrong. But what was he saying? He was like 4 million at this stage. Like, it's madness, isn't it? So, look, you're coming into double blank season and stuff now. Plenty of people can make whatever gains. So, long way to go, mate. Just, just past halfway. Uh, Karma Baby says, will Villa or Spurs finish higher this season and why? Um, I suspect Villa. Um, I also suspect that that's the bottle drop answer from me. The reality to the question, in all seriousness, probably lies with two things. One is um, injuries to be honest. If Tottenham go through the second half of the season with the problems that they've had over the last two months or so, then it would definitely be Villa. Turn that on its head where suddenly Villa lose I don't know, hypothetically Martinez, Bubakar Kamara, Douglas Luiz and Ollie Watkins then it'll be Tottenham, will it? It's reality. That's the reality. The other thing to factor in and it's not a, um, a cause for concern for Villa for quite some time, but they should go very deep in the Europa Conference League and I think they'll be very keen to win it. And if it looks like fifth is going to be enough for Europe and Villa and Tottenham have pulled well clear of United's Chelsea, etc., then fourth or fifth probably won't matter. And there's also that to factor in. So look, if you ask me right now and you ask the bookies, the right answer, I think, as it stands now is Villa. The answer will probably lie in terms of the fitness and injury issue over the next few months. Uh, Matty H says, hi, mate. Benching dilemma between uh, Darwin Nunes, Douglas Louise and Solanke. I need to bench one. What are you thinking? Thanks. On them fixtures, um, they probably just bench Douglas Louise, to be honest. Always FPL says, I have uh, Rao Jimenez, Solanke and Watkins. Which should I sell for Haaland? Might sell Watkins to have Sun, Salah, Haaland, Foden and Bowen. I would not be carrying Sun and Salah. I know there's a few people want to carry one or the other for value reasons, and I'm okay with that, I wouldn't be carrying both at the moment. It's like, what is that? Like 20, 23-odd million worth of... Bloody hell, it's nearly like a quarter of your starting value on two players unavailable for most likely three to four weeks. Be said in at least one. Um, in terms of the questions of, of your forwards, yeah, it said, wouldn't be keen to get rid of Watkins personally. Um, and I've mentioned the idea of perhaps Solanke to Jimenez for me and at some point to help fund getting Salah back. So 
if that influences you in any way, then Solanke for me would be the answer. Uh, Trophy FPL says, hi, James, no question, but just saying hello. Keep up class content. Thank you, my friend. I hope all's well. Um, always FPL says, if I do sell Watkins, who do I bench at? Jimenez, Solanke, Bernardo Silva, and Cole Palmer. What Fulham got Chelsea away? Probably Bernardo Silva with reluctance, mate. Uh, Multi Live Evil says, with Kudos and Pakatar out, he's bowing a trap or a no-brainer. Really dislike the word trap. It's like we can reflect on it afterwards and go, he was a trap, like after the horse was bolted. Um, I can't see into the future with my crystal ball. What I do know is the Pakatar situation is um, not terrible and he may even be back for the Sheffield United game. So, yeah, Bowen for me is the top choice if you don't own. I would find it very difficult for someone to explain to me how they weren't going to go there. So, yeah, Jared Bowen for me, mate. Cyrus Bernard says, Hi, James, when you think to use second world card? So there's a number of options. I think the preferred option for me would be a roundabouts game week 31. Um, Liverpool potentially coming off sort of a blank period, Sheffield United at home. Arsenal coming out of potential blank, Manchester City away, Luton at home. It's kind of the start of a really good run for Manchester City after they've played Arsenal. It's potentially the end of a good run for uh, Aston Villa and Tottenham at that period as well. So 31 is probably ideal solution. But it could be soon. It could be soon. It could be that you have City and Liverpool double in 25 and it's just too difficult to get to and manipulate game week 26 correctly at the same time. It might be that I do that. It could be game week 27, I think, off the back of the blank. Um, It's very dependent on the results in the FA Cup as well and what might impact game week 29 and how that looks as well. So there's a number of options. Very flexible and open to the ideas at the moment, Cyrus. I think 31 would be my ideal scenario, but I'm well, well prepared to use it in the next, it's not going to be now, um, but in the next three or four game weeks, if I feel that's the right thing to do, yeah. Johnny uh, Soft One says, hello, James. Would you consider Bruno Fernandes a seller replacement? Thank you for the great content. You're very welcome, mate. None. Uh, Jay Morrison says are you still in the FPL Cup I wouldn't have a clue mate uh, and no I don't care uh, Birth Media says hi James thoughts on Neto as an asset um, Wolves next four away games Brighton, Chelsea, Tottenham, Newcastle now if you're using him as a rotatable option that defines that you don't need to play him in those four particular game weeks then sure but do we actually have any idea what his fitness is like? Look, maybe we'll start at Brentford tonight, look great, and then you can kind of add him to the list. But I think if I was getting him, I'd probably be looking at him as a rotatable option, personally. Uh, Darren O'Neill says, to answer the question about the most points of a single player was when I captained Lampard against Derby, I think about 20 years ago when he scored four. I wish triple captain was around back then. Oh, you wish it was, I presume. Yes, sorry, wish it was. Uh, hello, FPL Glasto. Uh, Addy Tors says, after the journalist asked Ange, does he ever picture himself winning trophies? Is this the worst question asked by a journalist or can you think of a worse one? Oh, there's been loads worse in fairness, but it's a typical one there, mate, where you're putting me on the spot and I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, his response was good, isn't it? He's really good in situations like that. Um, there's loads. There's been loads worse than that. 
Uh, Aaron Vanam says, I don't think Haaland's scoring at St. James's with some break for Newcastle. Question your thoughts on Jota as well. Thanks in advance. Jota have covered. Listen, Newcastle had a nice six-day break before going to Liverpool, mate, and I thought that might solve some of their problems. Big game from tomorrow. Huge. Owen Charlie says, hi, James. Thank you for the superb content every week. Happy New Year and to you too. Uh, Reedy says, hello, mate. Going back to the start, so won't be here in the end. So just saying hello and thanks. Thank you, Reedy. Hope it was good. Uh, Addy says, like the stream and sign up for Patreon. You won't regret it. Well sold, Addy. Ruben Villa says, hi, James. Happy New Year. Are you worried if KDB once fit, will put Foden out to the left and make him less effective? More probably to the right. Um, but I, I don't think we could still end up in a shifting system where Foden and KDB still end up as tens alongside each other. Um, I have mentioned recently that City have started using their fullbacks as more overlapping again, which is something they were doing right at the start of the season. And if they decide to use Carl Walker uh, within possession as more like a right winger, then you can move Foden off the right into 10, just shove De Bruyne along from kind of right-sided half space to left half space, drop Bernardo Silva in deeper. It can still work. It can absolutely still work. And I don't think we have the answers. And I think we have to use a, a little bit of, to be honest, guesswork. Is If we go and buy that, we need to use a little bit of guesswork. Uh, Ez Frifty says, hi, James, which one to buy? Foden or Richarlison? I'm going to skip because I don't know the answer, mate. That's covered near the start. Benji Burrows says, do you expect to see Ishtupinan continue to play on the left of the back three? Uh, come you Spurs I think Benji that's very dependent on the fitness of players Brighton obviously did have Adam Webster back the other night I don't know if he might have I didn't watch the second half because I was watching the, the darts I don't know if he might have suffered a reoccurrence how serious is Igor Julio's injury because obviously he's a left-footed player he'd be very suitable to play left-sided centre-back uh, I'd be in a four or a back three obviously Lewis Dunn could be back from suspension as well so um, no I would expect his Stupinan to play further forward as a more auxiliary left back. I also think that because of the lack of the wide players at the moment, they would prefer to use him as a more offensive player who can really use that left touch line and get, they've been using James Milner to kind of hug it recently in the last couple of games against Tottenham and West Ham, move something off that flank that will drop in and allow his stupid hand to have the rain out there. So no, I would see him as being more offensive. If people want to invest in him, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Just most people buy midfielders this week. Uh, N says thoughts on Odegaard as a differential. Um, yeah, I don't mind covered that um, earlier that I think most won't go there and I don't mind it. Uh, if you'd said to me four or five weeks ago, who do you think you'll buy in this week? I would have said Odegaard. Um, but I am, I, I am put off myself. That's, that's being very, very honest. But if you feel it, you know, the next two fixtures, I would say are best for Arsenal. So I, I can't give you a good reason not to particularly do it, knowing the capability of the team. And they'll probably be very keen to respond to the last two league results. Ash FPL Juice, my friend, says, uh, man like James, happy new year, mate. Guys, make sure you like the stream. Thank you very much, my friend. And if you guys are unfamiliar with the brilliant guys from FPL Juice, do get a sub onto their channel as well. Uh, always FPL says, score prediction for Spurs. Um... Tonight, will Van der Ven play today? I'm 12 years old, always looking forward to this. Gosh, I must stop swearing, aren't I? 3 uh, 1 to Tottenham tonight, mate. Uh, will Mickey Van der Ven play? That's up to Ange. Considering Benton Core appeared from absolutely nowhere last week, and we do know that Mickey Van der Ven has trained, then yes, he may very well start tonight, mate. 
Uh, S Shank says, hi, James. How has Haaland dropped just 0.1 in value despite losing 30% ownership? Can't give you a good answer for that. I can say that it's probably held off a little bit in the fact that he once he got the red flag, I don't know if his price is still locked at the moment. Um, and once he hit the red flag, obviously the sales went into absolute overdrive. But we've been through this, haven't we, with Sven Botman earlier in the season. But didn't he go from like 35% owned to about 8% and only lost like 0.1, right? Um, so there's, there's obviously something in the algorithm that slows it down if if a player's flagged or something. I don't know the answer. That'll be one for statistics or fix or hub to answer better than I can. Uh, Yash says, hi, James. Thoughts on the Osman saga and where he's likely to end up? Uh, if something's happened with Victor Osman over the last 24, 48 hours, I've got to be very honest and say, I'm unaware. Was he not on the verge of signing a new contract was the last I'd heard. So I've got to put my hands up and say, I don't know the answer to that. Um, right. I'm going to cover um, three more because I can see Arawa has got about 20 comments in and it makes me fear to read through them. Uh, Yash says, hi, James. Uh, that's what I've done. So Atul Balaji says, just curious to hear your opinion as a neutral. How much money do you think Wolves should expect for Pedro Neto? 50 more than market young enough but probably held back a little bit by the injuries i guess capable of being way more greg williams says uh worth rolling to have two free transfers or swap sun salad already have hall and cheers um for me that's a move on in that circumstance to be honest greg uh own boyd says hey mate not fpl related just wonder how much you watch know about lower leagues such as championship and have any opinion on it switch this season potential of getting promoted so i know they've had a more difficult run recently the honest truth is i haven't i haven't seen them play um i know they've had a few injury issues recently to the likes of um hurst and davis at left back um so they found it a little bit more difficult recently and obviously leeds and southampton have been a good run but yeah they're, they're in the mix um, they've obviously done extremely well proven a lot of people incorrect so far this season so they're in the mix I wouldn't be best placed to say if I think they'll do it from here or not I suspect that Southampton feel like they've got themselves on a real kind of run now and they lost drop points quite late on at Norwich recently but they were conceding sh- excuse me stupid number of goals under Russell Martin I think they've they've ironed quite a bit of that out now right that's uh, an hour done um, I'm going to leave it there. Sorry to those that I haven't got through. Um, but hopefully the the coverage on the stream has given you most answers. And I'm sorry that I can't give you beyond Bowen, Palmer, Saka, my thoughts of next best option because I haven't decided. And, and the honest answer for me is it's not a case of just that person it's best. The cup results to define this, I think is going to be really, really important. And I'll know in six days or so where I intend to go. Foden and Richarlison are the most likely players for me on top of the ones I've already mentioned. And I've not ruled Jota out my thinking and I wouldn't rule out a real enabler like a Garnacho or a McAtee if I decide I want, don't want to go down that route and want to kind of open up the value to make my path back to Mo easier. And it might be I decide that's what I want to do, particularly if Liverpool win handsomely next Wednesday and get beat on Sunday, I could well end up taking that route. So the best replacement for Salah might actually be well, it's irrelevant. I just need to make sure that I can get back there and manipulate enough stuff in the meantime. Well, leave it there, guys. Thanks very much for those watching live. Thanks for contributing. Smash a like on your way out. 
Um, Suj and I will be back on Tuesday for the game week review. Uh, I was going to say game week review. It's not actually a game week review, is it? But it's going to be heavy strategy based in terms of chips. Looking forward. Kind of your first real chip strategy podcast of the season. Be on Tuesday. We're leaving it till Tuesday. So we can obviously take in the FA Cup full round draw on Monday. So clash the correspondence for you on Monday will be Chelsea versus Fulham with Gary Mansell and Dara Connor. As a reminder, if you want additional content or to support the show, sign up please at www.patreon.com forward slash planet FPL. Other than that, if your team's playing in the cup this weekend, very, very best of luck, unless you support Burnley or Arsenal. Only joking. For the benefit of those on the audio, cue music, please, manchild. The Fantasy Football Show. Sports Social Podcast Network.